The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. Let's start in Parliament. The suspended public protector, Busisiwe Mkwebane, uh, her inquiry underway again today. And there's been a lot of up and down and to and fro and disagreements over her legal fees, her lawyers. She has uh, raised issues around the state attorneys representing her uh, and uh, that this is in dispute. Remember, there was four million rand made available to her for more lawyers. So that's come up today. All of this is playing out against the background uh, of the fact that she has said that she plans to make public the recordings of the alleged extortion by the late Tina Jumat Peterson. She's accused Jumat Peterson of trying to quash the inquiry into her fitness to hold office. Richard Dianti, or Kobudile Dianti, uh, he, of course, is the chairperson. He says he will not recuse himself, uh, and Busisiwe Mkubane says he should recuse himself. Babalo Ndenze, EWN reporter, watching that for us. Babalo, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Take us through what happened this morning. Um, yes, good afternoon, man. Indeed, um, you know, the inquiry is still stuck on this issue of legal representation from Zwem Kwebane. Uh, and, you know, the co- conditions attached to that representation, as well as that 4 million rand um, that she's also raised. And, you know, the state attorney, um, you know, Isaac Choi from the state attorney, Pretoria office, um, briefing the committee and informing the committee that, you know, the public protector declined to be represented by the state attorney due to issues of, you know, um, conflict of interest. And, and you know, she, public protector says she's only open to getting representation from attorneys on the PP database. And she says that, you know, there's a patent clear conflict of interest and has, you know, um, all but rejected being represented by the, by the state attorney as the attorney of record, uh, which is causing the further delay today. And she says she'd rather have Chane back. And we all know Chane, she said on Wednesday, has been hospitalized and his services have since been terminated. His, his instruction has been terminated. So the committee really getting a briefing from the state attorney uh, for most of the morning, as well as from Advocate Mkwemane, you know, who also touched on this issue of the state attorney representing her. Let's just take a listen to what you said, man. So I even proposed in the letter to Mr. Choi that, okay, if you don't want to use the panel of attorneys and you are deviating, possibly the CEO is deviating with the assistance of uh, 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 DPP, then you can also, there's uh, my private attorney, uh, 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 RMT attorneys, possibly then you can, you can brief uh, 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 those uh, attorneys and then we can proceed. So, Babana, this is the issue with the lawyers that is still hanging over this entire inquiry. The other thing that's hanging over the inquiry is this threat by, by, by Bosisiwe Mkwebane to drop the files on Tina Jumat-Peterson. Has that come up today? Uh, that hasn't really been touched on today at all. She did indicate, you know, earlier outside of the committee that she, she would be having a press conference. But today, the only issue that was linked to that was the recusal of Mr. Janke. She's still calling for his recusal as chairperson, not recusal, the initial recusal that she requested in the courts, which is under appeal in the SCA. This is a new recusal, you know, request or application related to this, um, she calls extortion and bribery claims or allegations that um, Richard Janke faces. And Mr. Janke says, you know, um, he'll only respond to those once he gets this written application from Mkwebane and who says she can't do it because she doesn't have any lawyers and he will be able to respond to it on Monday. He's still sticking to that time frame. So that was all that really came up on that issue today was just linked to the recusal 
of Richard Janky, the chairperson, Mandy. Mm. Babala, what do we know about this press conference? Because um, she has said she's going to hold a press conference. Is that going to be happening t- uh, later today? And in what kind of forum? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure of the details of the actual press conference. Um, I'm just waiting to get more details on that because she's still virtually linked in the committee. So which I'm, I'm assuming it will happen sometime this afternoon after this, this inquiry sitting or this meeting that's currently happening now. And so we, we are expecting her to raise similar allegations that she told the committee on Wednesday that you know she has all your recordings as well as WhatsApp messages, which some of them have been published already by some members of the committee, Manduolo Misa, has also posted them on his social media, which really link Tina Chumat Patterson to the late um, minister, the late um, former minister, you know, of trying to facilitate this bribe through her husband. And mm. so she will be she will be giving us you know more details on this, and hopefully you know play this audio because the the committee rejected that that, that request to listen to any evidence related to that because it's before the the ethics committee. So we are expecting to maybe hear that audio and maybe tell for ourselves, Mandy, whether. This really is authentic. Babalo, thank you. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, following the suspended public protectors inquiry into her fitness to hold office. So this is an interesting one. She's going to have a press conference. She wants to release all of the audio recordings, all of the WhatsApp messages. Earlier this week, we had Nosibiwe Mapisang Kakula saying, well, we should wait for Tina Jumat-Peterson for, for the... Uh, the burial for the family to mourn before we start speaking about this. She appealed for Ubuntu. Do you think Busisiwe Mkwebane is just leveraging this now? Do you think she is trying to deviate her inquiry and this is a sideshow or is it a legitimate claim by her that there was this attempted extortion? What are your thoughts? Send me a WhatsApp voice note or tweet me at Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report. I mentioned earlier that the University of Fort Hare Convocation Executive uh, has been having a briefing today. For those of you that don't know what a convocation is, because some people don't know what a convocation is, um, it is those people who have graduated from a university. It's the alumni that uh, form part of a committee that gets uh, gets elected, that has a say on what still happens at, uh, at that uh, institution. So that briefing today is looking at recent developments around the university. There's lots of, of stuff going on at Forte University. There's a big corruption case. There was a restraint order worth around 14 million rand. Um, there is an SIU investigation. There was also um, protests by students who were accused of torching a univer- uh, university building as well on Sunday. They were released on bail. So uh, let's have a listen to Convocation President Advocate Andile Mini addressing the media on allegations that have surfaced around the university. Raising significant alarm about our esteemed university for the past three years. As the convocation we have observed with deep concern the recent developments at the University of Forte, which have led to a tarnished reputation and compromised integrity of our institution. It is public knowledge that the university has been in news recently for all wrong reasons. Its reputation has been significantly tarnished and and image greatly compromised due to high-profile news reports involving allegations of academic fraud, corruption, disputes involving its students, administrators, workers, and government over past three and four years. Since 2021, we have sought to engage management without luck to address this consent, nudging it to promptly take corrective measures to enhance the integrity and effectiveness 
of its admission process. Despite numerous attempts to engage with management and propose constructive solutions, we regret to note that our concerns have been met with indifference. The university, in our view, has failed to acknowledge the gravity of the situation and take swift and decisive action to address the underlying issues. We will now deal with the issue relating to allegations of academic fraud. So that is the president of the convocation, advocate Andile Mini, speaking earlier. EWN reporter Gloria Motswere watching that one for us. Uh, Gloria, a big issue here for the convocation is the SIU investigation, all the corruption allegations as well. What else have they been saying about that? Good afternoon, Mandy. So the main issue with the SI investigation, according to what they are saying, is that they believe that the SIU does not have the specialized skills to deal with an academic um, fraud situation. So they are saying that they believe that the best people to deal with this would be the Department of Education. So they have written to the deputy, to the minister, uh, Bladen Zimande, for him to make sure that there's an independent investigation that is looking into the, the investigation itself. Is there a sense from the convocation, from listening to uh, the president there, Advocate Mini, that they want to see this problem resolved at University of Fort Hare because it really is tarnishing the reputation of the institution? Yes, they do. And that's exactly what they were saying, that when someone approaches now and says that I'm from the University of Fort Hare, automatically when they're looking for jobs, the reputation is so tarnished that it's it's making people worried that they, they are in their qualifications are not going to be accepted. All these they studied for all these qualifications, but now as soon as you say I'm from the University of Fort Hare, automatically at the top of people's minds is the corruption case and the the fraud allegations. Uh, and the, the, the money for degrees and the scandals and all of that. We've also had this other issue at the university where there have been protests. Um, the, there was a building that was burnt, a number of uh, students being arrested. There was a bail application. Um, you know, is there a sense from the convocation that there is a, a general concern about that kind of conduct too? There is a bit of concern from the convocation around issues like that. They did say that safety is also a big thing for the students. And there's a bit of a divide in terms of the convocation and the university itself because they were actually saying that we have all these issues that need to be addressed, but we have issues we're trying to talk to the management because every time we try and have a conversation it's either there's no answers it's either they'll tell us they'll go back to the vice chancellor and just get answers from him but otherwise there's never any kind of communication between the two of them they did mention that the last meeting that they had with the vice chancellor was in 2021 when they were initially elected so there's a there's too many challenges that need to be addressed Mm. but there's a bit of a divide when it comes to the communication because no one is coming to play from the university's side. Gloria, thank you very much. Uh, Gloria Motswere, EWN reporter, having a look at this briefing by the University of Fort Hare Convocation Executive. Are you a graduate of the University of Fort Hare? Are you part of the alumni? What do you think about the reputation of the institution? Do you think that it has been eroded by these ongoing allegations, the controversy around uh, the degrees that have been awarded, also huge corruption being investigated by the SIU? Let me know what you think about that. The Midday Report.
Earlier this week, uh, we spoke to SAMU, the South African Municipal Workers Union, about uh, a strike that's not a strike, because SAMU was quite clear to say that this issue around bus operations in Tuane is not a strike. Uh, their bus drivers just were not at work because they wanted to meet with management over some of the grievances that they have. So the city of Tuane has now appointed an external investigator to look into the grievances raised by its bus drivers to try and help resolve these issues. Uh, so let's try and understand this further with the MMC for Roads and Transport, Katlejo Matebe. MMC, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, tell us about this decision to appoint an external investigator. Good afternoon, Mandy, and thank you very much for having me, and good afternoon to your listeners. Mandy, firstly, let me put it on record that in terms of the city's record, this was an illegal strike because the bus drivers did not report for duty on Tuesday afternoon. So, so that's really important. I'm sorry to, to interrupt you, MMC, because they're saying it's not a strike. As far as you're concerned, is it an, an, an illegal strike? It was an illegal strike, and it is for that reason that the, the city did issue an ultimatum to the unions to instruct their workers to go back to work, and the fact that we will implement no work, no pay principle. Okay. It was an illegal strike. Okay. So, so what happens now that this uh, external investigator has been, been appointed? Uh, what is the purpose of this? Okay. The, and for the fact that it was an, an illegal strike, we don't have an official, we don't have official um, demands on record. How, how, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. However, we've been informed that they raised issues of occupational health and safety at the Civet Depot. However, all the people that are striking are from all different depots, the Pretoria, Depot, and Eastland, which are not affected by the occupational health and safety issue. And the other matter that is raised is the issue of overtime. And I must also put on record that to date, all employees from the uh, bus have been paid their overtime. And the third issue that was allegedly raised is a proposed work shift system. So we have appointed this independent external investigator from the Department of Labor to look into it as an independent external person so that whatever recommendations that will be come forth would be independent and objective so that we can resolve the issue of the bus drivers going on strike every now and then. Mm, because this is a, a, a recurring issue. It does happen repeatedly. Do you have buy-in on this process from somewhere? And do you have stability now within the bus service? Are, are, are the bus drivers back? Are, are uh, passengers able to, to catch buses? I must say that firstly, as a city, we are concerned about the you know, interruption of the bus service every now and then. You remember that even recently, the bus drivers went to Johannesburg, and that afternoon, the bus shift uh, did not work. So I must put it on record that this is a recurring incident, and we are definitely not happy as a city about the conduct of the bus drivers. And secondly, yes, we do have a um, cordial relationship with unions, and there are conversations with the unions, and my understanding from management is that they are in support of this. I don't interact directly with unions. My information is dependent on what I am informed from our management. And, and just lastly, MMC, what kind of time frame are you looking at here for this uh, in, in the external investigator from the Department of, of um, Labor to, to resolve this issue so that you can get everything back on track? Because this is an initial um, 
conversation with this investigator, the time frames have not yet been confirmed, and it's a process that the city's uh, labor relations is handling. So as soon as there are conclusions on all the time frames that need to make and the specific uh, deliverables, we will be able to confirm uh, when we can expect a report from this independent external investigator. MMC, thank you very much. Uh, MMC for Roads and Transport, Katlejo Matebe, speaking to us there about this issue with the bus drivers uh, in the city of Tswane. Earlier this week, you, you may have heard us interviewing some of the South African Municipal Workers Union. They have grievances. They've been raising these grievances around health and safety issues. Uh, the city saying they take them seriously. An external investigator has been appointed. The Midday Report. Earlier today, the Tswani Mayor, Celia Brunk, uh, had a press conference around uh, the situation in Hammond's Kral regarding water, hosted by the National Press Club today. This, of course, is on the back of yesterday's visit to Hammond's Kral by President Cyril Ramaphosa and... Um, <laughs> Yesterday I was asking for the, the collective term for cabinet ministers. I got some interesting suggestions on social media, like a corruption of cabinet ministers. Somebody said an enema of cabinet ministers. I don't think any of that's particularly respectful. But be that as it may, the president visited Haman's Kral yesterday. Today, uh, the Tswane mayor has been having a press conference. Um, he has rejected claims that the DA is neglecting townships in the metro. He's also been uh, responding to some suggestions from the president that this was about the municipality, that it hadn't implemented what it should have been doing around Royval. And uh, the, the mayor, according to reports, blaming the ANC-led government for the failures in Haman's Kral. Well, let's speak now to the Tuani mayor, Celia Brink. Mr. Mayor, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. I, Hi, Mandy. It's good to talk to you. I have been um, full of praise for, for you and Senzon Kuno, the Water Affairs Minister, for, for what certainly appears like your ability to work together. You seem uh, to be meeting, you've been having press conferences yeah. together, and now in the last two days, it does seem like this is now being reduced again to party politics. Is that a fair assessment? No, no. and I've not, I've, I've not at all blamed the ANC or finger-pointed. Uh, I've admitted that successive administrations in Swane, including my own party and my own coalition, have failed on the issue of Royval and the quality of Haman's Kral water. I think there's a historical issue. If some of these upgrades had been done in the 2000s, the problem that we face now would have been much easier and much more affordable to solve. But uh, I think that uh, Successive administrations in different spheres of government have failed, and to the extent that I have provided context to that failure and why a change of government didn't fix the problem, uh, certainly politics does play a part, but uh, no finger-pointing or blaming uh, in, in, in the statements that I've made. Because it really it isn't an, an easy out and I think that maybe maybe your view is the reporting on this. It's easy for the ANC to blame the DA and the DA to blame blame the ANC. And you've made it clear that you don't want this kind of finger pointing. What's your experience been like of working with the water minister and and of the president visiting Hammond's Kral yesterday? Do you feel like progress is being made? Yes, the partnership announced last week uh, involves the city of Tswane, the Department of Water and Sanitation, National Treasury and course, the BBSA, who we hope uh, would be the implementing agent to finally upgrade a Royval wastewater treatment plant. And it's that plant that's the source of the poor quality of water and the delay in upgrading that plant. 
And although, I mean, we still to source a significant chunk of the capital needed, uh, our initial outlay as a city is 450 million over the next financial year, but we're going to depend a great deal on that partnership that I've just described to give us the assistance to source uh, the further capital. So we can start the upgrades in the meantime, but I think it's significant that we're working together for the first time in a long time. My relationship with the minister is very good. I find him to be collegial, uh, to be supportive. I am thankful that it is him and not some of his predecessors, and he's said the same thing to me, so that's there you have it. But the point is to take responsibility uh, for solving the problem. There's been a massive breach mm-hmm. of trust in, in Hamans Kral and, and with wastewater uh, in, in particular. And if we can work together instead of against each other, that's the best possible solution we have to solving the problem. And, and is this resolvable, uh, do you believe, in, in the short time? We know that this is a, an ongoing problem. It's been around for, for you know, a decade. Uh, is it resolvable in, in the short term? You know, if you are a resident of Hammond's Kral, is there a glimmer of, 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 uh, of hope here? Yes. So we've got to be very careful in making promises that this is going to be solved overnight because that's just going to deepen the breach of trust. But there are things operationally that can be done at Royval, um, such as the installation of belt presses, improving the management of the facility that will immediately solve uh, the problem. Well, not solve much of the problem, but improve the quality of the effluent that is then released into the the, uh, Arpiza River. Uh, as part of the partnership between Tswane and the Department of Water and Sanitation, they've committed to building what they call a package plant at the Mahalis uh, system at, at Clip Drift. So Hamanskral is serviced by Randwater, by Mahalis Water, and then by Tswane. And what they want to do with a package plant in the next few months is to channel water uh, from Mahalis to the Temba system and then shut Temba down so that Royval can be upgraded. Mm. So we'll look carefully at that solution, but if it can be implemented, it will exclude uh, the water tankers, which are obviously very undesirable, semi-permanent aspect of this whole situation. Mayor, thank you very much. Uh, Salia Brunk, the Twani mayor, speaking to us there following the meeting with the president yesterday and various cabinet ministers as well, uh, adamant that uh, there is no finger pointing, there is no blaming. It is easy to to reduce this to a, a political issue between different political parties. What is your sense of that? What is your reaction to that? Let me know what you think. The Midday Report. Let's get a quick update uh, on court matters now. Uh, the Rwanda genocide accused Fulgens Kayashema now facing 54 charges. He appeared in the Cape Town Magistrate's Court today. Remember, he was arrested in Nepal uh, a couple of weeks ago. Nasipi Same, Newsroom Africa reporter following this case. Nasipi, good afternoon to you. Uh, tell us about this court appearance today and the additional charges that have been added. Afternoon, Mandy. Um, as you put it, 54 charges and now, so we were moving from the five initial charges. And just to break down the 54 charges that the state has put forward against Flugens Keishima is that he is facing nine counts of fraud, 10 counts of the contravention of the Refugees Act, including 35 counts of the contravention of the Immigration Act. And what transpired in court, what came out in court today was that a comprehensive charge sheet of about 54 charges 
uh, was given to the defense on Tuesday morning. However, they have not had an opportunity to consult with Mr. K. Shima as he was moved from Portsmouth Prison into Kai, where we know he had been detained following his arrest last month um, and moved to Haldestrow Maximum Prison, which is about over 120 kilometers away from the city center. And basically, the the defense was unable to consult their clients as they were not made aware of this. Um, the NPA also indicated that they only learned about this recent development yesterday and obviously couldn't divulge and go into details as to why he was moved uh, all the way to Haldestrow Maximum Prison. Nasipi, thank you very much uh, for that update. Uh, Nasipi Same, Newsroom Africa reporter, giving us an update update on this case against the Rwanda genocide accused Fulgence Kaishema. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.